welcome to American Scouser Podcast. Uh, today, I'm your host, Timuchin, and with me is Hillary. Hey, Hillary, how's it going? Hey, good. So, finally, we are at the end of the transfer rumor misery. Uh, after that deadline is over, I, we can get kind of like down to serious business tomorrow. I just can't wait because... As much as it can get interesting at times, the whole transfer thing gets old after a while. I mean, if I heard Coutinho and Dybala one more time, I was going to throw up over the last two days. So uh, so let me ask you about Liverpool first. What did you think about the non-action that went into uh, what Liverpool didn't do all week? I mean, I, I'm fine with it. I'm totally um, okay with not bringing in anyone new since we kind of have some players returning from injury who are kind of going to have that new infusion like a signing would um, with Ox and uh, Keita, sort of. Um, and I just feel like um, I, I trust Klopp and I trust uh, the staff and the decisions they've made in the past. And so... If we can't bring someone in uh, who's the right fit, uh, I would rather we don't bring in anyone at all. Um, and I think that we've got a good squad, so I think that the depth is there. Um, and there weren't any particular positions where I felt it was a dire need for, uh, you know, bringing someone in, uh, you know, 100% needed. So, not like previous shows for sure. I think that's the biggest thing. I think they've kind of earned. I mean, any time else, let's face it, we would probably be going ape shit, saying what the hell is going on? They're not doing anything. We're the club that spent the least and stuff like that. But I think they've kind of earned the trust over what they've done over the last two, three seasons. Uh, just one number six. Uh, like you're saying, you know, we have some players coming back that will be. You know, that will be in, impact players. They're not just like, you know, really deep squad depth guys. And I don't see any of the young guys that we signed coming into play this season at all. I think they're more like the long term plan. I mean, in terms of like, I really thought there would be one surprise or another uh, either today or yesterday, but it didn't you come to fruition. You well, can say Coutinho, like. <laughs> No, I didn't think Coutinho was going to happen, or Zavala. Uh, I, I thought, you know, I mean, in terms of what I thought we needed, I thought we needed somebody else to back up to left back, and somebody who can play left back or as center back at the same time, or left back, right back at the same time kind of thing, uh, so that, you know, we don't have to rely on, like, Milner playing out of position again and stuff like that. But obviously, you know, they felt like we had the depth, and Milner could handle that. I mean... We really have no backup for Robo otherwise. Uh, and I really thought we needed somebody up front. I mean, the only thing I can think of is, uh, obviously, with what he's done last year, Divock has earned the trust. And then I'm assuming Shaq is out of the doghouse uh, and is considered to be able to back up like Mo or Salah up there. Otherwise, I don't see why we would not sign somebody for the front line. Or, I mean, like I say, those like Divock, Brewster, and Shaq, have done enough in the off season to kind of make the 
or we didn't find anybody that we really thought was better than what we had based on listening to club. It sounded almost like nobody out there was better than what we already had. So why just make a signing to make a signing kind of deal? So what did you think overall? Like, I mean, looking at the last week of activity within these last two, three days, who was the team that you thought did the best business? Uh, I think um, it kind of falls between Arsenal and Everton for me. They did a lot of good business, I think, between who they let go and, and who they brought in. Um, Arsenal, and they both had some real last-minute ones. I think uh, Arsenal brought in the two defenders, um, uh, David Luiz and uh, Tierney from Scotland. And then um, uh, they sold Iwobi to Everton. So um, a lot of big moves, uh, kind of unexpected, I guess. But those would be my two picks. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they address some of their needs. I mean, I think it's like waiting till way too late in the game. Not in terms of Everton. I, I feel like that's kind of like the opposite of what we're doing. Instead of signing, I mean, is it will be really worth that much? Uh, or is he going to bring that much to that team? Um, I don't know. Some of their signings, I feel like, you know, Everton or West Ham are two teams I always find. Like, they do some signings that are maybe good FIFA signings or, you know, yeah, they're like decent players, but I don't know if it fits the plan. Yeah, there's some, some boldness in, in what they did in this window. Um, and I, if it works out for them, it could really shake things up in those top. Uh, could they break and in, break into the six? I don't know, but um, yeah, I mean, that's just the the question of if they can make it work for them, which probably not, but who knows. Well, speaking of the top six, we just basically posted all ours, uh, the contributors and some of the admins from the Facebook groups, like predictions for the new season. So let's kind of like take a look at that real quick. I think ours are similar overall, uh, except with the top four. I mean, surprisingly, everybody picked Liverpool. So this has got to be our year, I assume. Um, and then, um, that goes across the board. Nobody would dare pick somebody else, which makes sense. Um, I think we, I mean, we both put the same four teams up there with Tottenham, City, and Arsenal. Um, but you put, actually put Tottenham even above City. So, I mean, let me ask you that. Like, what was your reasoning behind that when you picked Tottenham? Um, they made it to the Champions League final. And they were the ones that were closest uh, behind us um, uh, last season uh, at, at a certain moment in the season. Uh, and then they, the gap just kept increasing. Um, and so I think that it's going to be, um, this is the season for Pochettino. And if it doesn't happen, um, if they don't even get close, um, I think that's that's when his project is over with them. But um, so I really feel like they're going to make that that push like it's all or nothing. Um, and I see I see some things falling apart for Pep. I don't know if his like meltdown during the game on Sunday is any indication. <laughs> I just feel like 
there's some I just I feel like it's time for it to start crumbling I'm and I'm hoping so I feel like I feel like they're gonna have a few surprises go against them and uh it's all gonna work out in our favor and we're gonna top top of the yeah, I mean, that, that's the hope I think I, I just feel like still they would have to drop I mean based on looking at the point differential from last year I don't know if Tottenham is gonna make that big of a jump um in terms of like you know what they added, they did add like you know a couple of signings, uh, but I mean you know they got Sassanion and stuff like that. But I don't know if they're gonna make that big of a jump, and then I don't know if City is gonna fall off that much. I mean let's hope so. If City falls off that much, I mean this title will be ours for sure. It, uh, it I just don't. They have so much quality. It feels like somebody will save them. Like if you know in games where it's like zero zero and you need like one goal to get that three. Point and stuff. I feel like City has a lot more players on the field and on the bench who can do that compared to Tottenham. Well, I just wonder if how how much of an impact is actually going to the absence of Vincent Company is actually going to have on that team. Um, and if you think about what he did in that game, God, that that the Leicester goal. Ugh, don't remind me. <clears throat> like. In that moment, it could have all changed. And so um, he's he's an element that's not going to be there this season for them. And are they going to have something to replace that mojo or that experience and that steadfastness that kind of could keep it together when maybe things started to get shaky or it, they were stagnant or whatever? And then is there someone that stepped up and is going to be that person or, you know do that for them and so I feel like we don't know exactly what that team's going to be without him yet so I'm hoping a lot worse <laughs> <laughs> yeah one can only hope I guess it can only help us <laughs> so looking at like our other predictions uh we kind of talked about uh the relic the teams that will be relegated um I'm my prediction is pretty much everybody who came up is going right back down. Um, the only team I can see out of that three, uh, if they put it together fast enough, uh, maybe Aston Villa will stay up. Uh, but I don't think Norwich has done enough, and Sheffield United has enough quality to be able to stay up. Uh, so you had Newcastle and Brighton. It's sort of like Sheffield United and Aston Villa. Uh, so you think Brighton is not going to pull it off this time, huh? No, I mean, I don't know. I I just looked at some of their signings. Um, I think they got Mui from Huddersfield. Um, I don't know. So I, I think I, that's a good pickup, actually. He's a good player. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I hadn't seen that when I put that. Uh, put them down, but I definitely think Nor Norwich for sure as far as the ones that have just been promoted and then Aston Villa is strange because they totally have pulled the Fulham thing of going out and buying like half a dozen or more players um, and so I just don't know if they if you can, you know, that was Fulham's problem was they replaced all their players and they couldn't you know whatever be be a cohesive team for for very long with all these new people and I, I don't know what 
that's going to happen for Aston Villa. So I kind of gave them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because I feel like they want to, their drive to stay up is even, well, I mean, they all have the same drive, but um, I just felt like maybe, maybe that they will. Um, and then Sheffield, I don't know. I'm interested to see them. I didn't watch them play in the championship, but they have like, um, kind of that, that back line. Um, with their center backs that come forward um, and 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 do something a little different. So I was in, I'm interested to see how they fare. Um, so I would kind of hope that 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 new kind of something new, you know, it shakes shake things shakes things up. And um, yeah, I just don't see it for Newcastle. So I, I think they're going down. You don't have faith in Bruce. Uh- <laughs> I think it's just a matter of how fast these guys put it together. It's almost like they went to the different ends of the spectrum there. Like Norwich tried to keep what they have, uh, try to keep their like good young players uh, and kind of like develop them and hoping like, you know, they will improve on the field. Whereas Villa was like, you know, what we had was good for championship, but not good enough for Premier League. But like you're saying, I don't know if that many signings, uh, let's see if they can kind of get it going or how long it's going to take them to be able to kind of like become a team and play well together. So, um, but I feel like Sheffield United just does not have enough uh, to be able to kind of like keep it going. But I mean, they have, I mean, that was kind of like my prediction. I guess we can do that at the same time. I feel like they will be the first one to sack their coach. Uh, just because even though the fixture is kind of like starts relatively easy for them, uh, I think they only play Chelsea out of like, you know, the top six, if that's going to be the top six again. But um, I, if they don't get a lot of points, I feel like that's going to be one of those clubs that says uh, we got to make a change before we fall really behind. Uh, so your prediction for the first coach to get sacked is Marco Silva. <laughs> and now your crazy prediction is Everton ending up fifth. So, <laughs> so walk me, walk me through that one. <laughs> I switched. I switched my crazy prediction at the last minute. Uh, <laughs> no, but yeah, I I feel like um, yeah, if things if things don't go right for all these signings, if if it doesn't really click together, it could be chaos for Everton. Um, because I felt like they made a lot of bold, bold moves with their business this summer. So I I don't know. I feel like that, you know, it's hard to pick just one. I feel like so many of, of the managers are kind of, uh, on shaky ground, even just starting out. So, so who else did you have? Like, you know, when you were eliminating, who else did you have in mind? I'm just wondering if you had the same names in mind that I did. Um, Ole, maybe. Okay. So uh, I feel like they're going to give him time. And really, they did not give him a lot of new stuff. I mean, they spent a ton of money, obviously, on McGuire and, you know, the right back they got from Crystal Palace. So they kind of, like, you know, took care of some of the things Where's they the needed, but okay. I feel like they overpaid for those positions. Yeah, and I feel like they were trying to get people, but they couldn't get any of the deals to go through. I mean, I don't know how accurate Reddit is, but it seemed like they were trying to get, 
you know, Dybala, then Mandzukic, and then, like, you know, whoever, and then they couldn't. Yeah, and then they, that's the thing. I mean, I thought the part of the selling Lukaku was, you know, um, using that money and to bring somebody like Dybala or something like that. I think Dybala is, like, ridiculous uh, wage requirements, uh, kind of scared United off already having somebody like Alexis Sanchez. I mean, if you're like, you know, thinking about it, looking at the practice field and you see Alexis Sanchez running around, you're like, oh shit, we're not doing this again and giving a ridiculous wage to somebody who might not pay off. I mean, I feel like Deval is a lot better player and has a lot more future to him. But, and I didn't understand why Juventus wanted to move him unless, uh, like, he doesn't want to play with Ronaldo, or he wants to be the man, or Ronaldo doesn't want him. I don't know what the deal was, but I don't know why they would. I know they don't use him as much as I personally feel they should. Same goes for the Argentina national team. I don't think the kid gets utilized very well. Um, but I think his wage requirements and like what he wanted was ridiculous. Because it sounded like every time the club interested in him would be set with Juventus. But when it came to you know signing him. Uh, his image rights and his like wage requirements and stuff was so out of whack, it scared everybody out, which can be a good thing for him. So if I were him, I'd probably start looking for a new agent. Yeah. And then, I like I say, I think I was shocked for not seeing a lot of action uh, out of United, especially knowing like Lukaku was on the move and there was going to be... I mean, I could not believe Inter paid 77 for Lukaku. Um so I, I really think United did good business there because how that first touch is worth 77 is beyond me. But um, so, yeah, I, I thought that's, you know, Ole initially, but I feel like they will give him more time because it's not like he had the summer where he signed like, you know, like four or five big money guys, uh, like especially for like midfield. They still have the Pogba dilemma. I mean, I guess he could still go ultimately because the other leagues can still sign people, but um, I mean, Steve Bruce obviously comes to mind uh, in terms of potential because um, that's like a, a train wreck waiting to happen as well. So I think the rest of us were pretty darn close over here, except I got to go for your player of the year. So we had the top scorer. Uh, we both have Mo. Uh, I kind of like went between Mo and Mane on this, but having seen Mo, and I know, you know, people were complaining that he kind of like tried a bit too much at the game. Uh, against City, but he looked sharp. Like, he looked like, I don't know, like, he looked like he wanted it bad. And, you know, he was trying extremely hard, and he was actually playing well overall. I know he didn't finish, but uh, I thought that was really promising between him. And I really think Mane can, again, have, like, another season that's, like, last year. But so we both have moaned that, and we both have uh, Alisson as the most clean sheets. So, player of the year, you have Andy Robertson. That's a bold one. I can think of a couple of people happy to hear that. But So, why made you go with Robbie or Robo? Um, I think that he's one of those players that um, is the best at that position in the world right now. And um, I don't think that we've seen the best from him yet. So, I'm just hoping that um, you know, uh, it, he continues to just, just be incredible. And I could see him being, um, one of the most instrumental parts of our season. 
um, because he's pretty consistent. Um, I think he's one of the more consistent players from the last season. So, um, yeah, I just kind of have this feeling about it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, it's really hard. I mean, it's probably not fair, but it's really hard, I think, for even, you know, like having seen like what kind of year that Van Dyke had to have uh, to be the player of the year. Because uh, it's always like the midfielders and forwards that kind of get the highlights and get the, you know, by scoring the goals that win you the game and stuff like that. And the guys who kind of play the D and uh, provide the assistant stuff sometimes get overlooked. So I think it's really hard. You would have to have like a special year for it. I I go with Mo again. I think he's going to have, I almost feel like, I mean, we forgot how crazy goal scoring he was two seasons ago. He was still the top scorer last year tied with the other two uh but i feel like he's gonna have like another huge year scoring goals and he is definitely my pick for uh player of the year as well so lastly let's uh, i would just say that i think that there's at least i would hope that having like van dyke and allison get such accolades um not just from Liverpool supporters, but they're getting praise from all over the world, from other club supporters, from other clubs, other managers. They're in the running for the Ballon d'Or, and I think that they like considered serious contenders. I don't know how serious people really think uh, Alisson isn't in the running for it, but I th- I would hope that it's kind of a bit of a turn where maybe we don't just like automatically always pick you know the goal scorers or the iconic um you know pieces in at the in the front um you know we give a little credit where it's due for some of the, the foundations of the team too or team too like you know it doesn't the guys Holding it all together. <laughs> hey, as a guy who's played defense for for years, I only could wish. But it's just like I say, when you watch, I don't know. Anytime you watch highlights and stuff like that, is always going to be the midfield and the forward guys that get most of the credit. But yeah, I'm, I was like you, like shocked to see some of those players that were considered and like seeing like Alisson in there and Van Dyke, who is the favorite to win Player of the Year and stuff like that. That uh, I mean, it can't hurt. Makes me makes a guy like me who plays defense really appreciate it even more because you do have to be out of the world good uh, to be able to kind of like have your name out there. Because uh, I mean, regardless of how good you are, you're playing in the toughest league. Uh, you're gonna have some tough moments. You are gonna be beat. Um, whereas, so it's kind of hard to make that much of a long term impact and be the player of the year. Whereas, like a forward, I mean, you can you know. Have bad three, four bad shots, but then you have like one or two good ones. You score two goals, you carry the game and stuff like that, and then you get the accolades, uh, and everybody forgets about your brutal misses. But yeah, life is not fair for a defender. I know how it is. Been there for years. So, so, so now that what was that? Uh, Andy Robertson's tackle against Ronaldo framed on my wall. So. <laughs> You're a rare breed that appreciates that, I'm going to have to say. 
So <laughs> in terms of crazy predictions, mine was I really feel like VAR, I'm kind of like scared of it. Uh, I know in the last last podcast you guys were talking about it with like, you know, Gordon and Kazi. Um, I'm kind of like scared of how much of it's going to impact. I was all for it until I saw it in action this summer. Uh, but my prediction was uh, the penalties are going to go up by 50% compared to the season before. Uh, especially in a league that's so fast-paced and so much going on uh, in the box that, you know, usually people got away with. Uh, and like I say, the gameplay is so much faster compared to other leagues. I think there is going to be a ton of penalties this year, which could be a good thing or a bad thing. I think it will be in our favor, uh, but I think it's going to... My only fear is, you know, are we going to have to, after every corner kick when somebody falls, are we going to have to, like, go back and watch the damn thing again? Yeah, I think that it's going to be okay. I think that they're really... Um... It, just like the feeling I get is that they they know people like are kind of having this backlash to and that's why they're kind of saying like it's only for this it's only for this they're not even gonna use it for the the goalkeeper on the line type of stuff it's these four things and then you know the if there's a player that had bad conduct in some way or was simulating or those are the only things they'll come back for um but yeah i mean i i think that it'll even out for us because there are a lot of instances where stuff has happened and it's gone for us or it's gone against us and i always feel like by the end of the season it kind of evens out and so yeah i'm, I'm thinking you know we we play good we're, we're pretty good I feel like we'll we'll get some of those penalties and it's <laughs> <laughs> like I, said, I I think it will help us in that sense because I think sometimes uh, I mean there's been a lot of times where you know I know like Mo has been blamed for diving and yeah a couple of moments he's kind of gone down too easy but I think overall if anything I think he would have probably gotten a lot more calls if there was VAR last year uh, than he did and we have two players like that that are way too fast and you know not only fast speed-wise, but very quick and agile in the box uh, with Mane and Mo, I almost feel like, and with VAR, I mean, knowing it's going to be, it's very hard for defenders, really, because uh, if you can keep to get the ball in the box and take a player on, it is, I mean, if you're quick, it's going to be very hard to stop a player without, you know, following them or, and you got to figure Everything, it's going to be in the back of the player's mind now as a defender because you're going to be like, this is going to be washed. I got to make the cleanest tackle. Uh, whereas in the past, you know, you probably got away with more and, you know, you can say, well, that's not going to be given or that's never given and stuff like that if you do like an illegal shoulder or something like that. So uh, it's going to be definitely interesting to see. I just hope it's not... Uh, like the topic that we talk about weekly that's i guess my biggest fear for var this year i just don't want it to be the highlight of the week every week <laughs> yeah um you mean like what i was thinking about doing my articles on <laughs> 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 
<laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I'm just afraid you're going to have way too much material to sift through, I guess, for your segments. <laughs> I just want to make your life easier. But you only have to cover like two, three events. I just feel like you're going to have, um, you're going to choose out of like 30, 40 uh, VAR decisions that were kind of questionable to kind of uh, pinpoint the ones that made the biggest impact. But uh, let's hope not. Let's hope they kind of have it figured out and uh, Premier League will do a better job. I, mean, I feel like Bundesliga does very well, and that's why I was very encouraged by it. I don't know if it was because a lot of referees that were not used to working with it that made it look so awkward and so inefficient, like in, you know, Copa America or, you know, like the Women's World Cup and stuff like that. I don't know that was more like due to the inexperience of the refs in terms of like how they, you know, how much they work with the VAR system. Because it feels like, you know, whenever I watch Bundesliga, it kind of looks very normal and a refined process. Yeah. yeah. And the players have had it for a couple of years. Um, they're pretty used to it. Um, I just feel like there's some situations, you know, like, okay, remember that time um, Polgate shoved Bobby into the stands and yes. didn't get a, a red card? Yes. Like I do remember that. <laughs> but what about that? What about that time that everyone was like Virgil Van Dyke kicked Eric Lamella, and you look at it from like eighty angles, and you're like, well, here, 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 it looks different. Here, it looks different. You know, it's like, what is that gonna? You know, everyone's perspective or interpretation of that is so different. So I feel like that would always be controversial, even if VAR had come back or you know whatever. I think so, and which is fair, you know, to have, you know, a couple of decisions where, I mean, there's no way of telling every angle tells a different story. Uh, I just don't want it to be, like I say, the the biggest event of the weekend. I'd rather talk about, you know, performances of players and teams as opposed to referees and the monitors, you know. <laughs> so let, let's hope that doesn't happen. So let's talk about this weekend. Um, and, and fight, well, not this weekend, I guess tomorrow. Uh, and then we can kind of take a quick peek for the weekend too. But um, what are your feelings for the game tomorrow? Who do you think will play? And how will we fare? It's a loaded question for you. I, I, um, I have a really good feeling about it. I think that it's like a perfect, as, as good of a season opener as you could ask for. Um, I loved watching the highlights that that the Liverpool uh, social media accounts posted from that game uh, with the Lalana winner uh, when Klopp loses his glasses. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean Norwich uh, hasn't won um, against you know at Anfield since 1994, so I like our chances. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I uh, I think starting lineup would be uh, you know Allison. I think Trent will start. I I do think so. A lot of people were critical of of his performance uh, last Sunday, but um, I think he starts. Um, Batip pairs with Virgil Van Dyke, Robertson, and I would say for the midfield, it's you know let's let's do it. Let's do Fabino. Um, Henderson and Keita. 
You had Henderson, Keita, and who else? I'm sorry. Savino. Okay. I think yeah, we're almost the same here. And do you think Mane is gonna start, or does Klopp not risk him? He said he was an option today in the press conference. I think he absolutely starts. I think so too. I have a feeling he's gonna shot him out there. I think you know, having seen uh, you know Salah and Bobby start right away when they came back, and you know, granted they didn't play the entire time, but you know, after a couple like a week after that, Salah literally played the entire ninety. So. Um, I think I agree, except Kate. I think I know we were not too pleased, and I know you guys talked about it on the podcast about Genie's performance against City, but I think he plays. He starts. I think we start with that um, Fabinho, Henderson, and um, Genie in midfield, and I think our front three up front. So, what is your score prediction for the weekend? I mean, I keep saying the weekend, but it's Friday. It's going to be hot. It's going to throw my entire day off tomorrow. But um, So what is your score prediction for this one? 3-0. I think so, too. I think this is going to – I mean, let's hope so, I guess. But uh, I think so, too. I was actually thinking, like, two Salah, one Bobby. Um, I guess if minor plays. I mean, I hope, you know, the second half of the City game was – almost like, ah, they're back. Uh, so I'm hoping, you know, that team kind of continues um, and they kind of start with, the, I mean, it's a tough game in the sense that Norwich, I mean, the, these teams, especially that come up, like their first game, it's kind of like a good and bad. You can kind of look at it from both sides. It's kind of like they're all, you know, pumped up for this game. Premier League, they're back, you know, they're kind of like all in it, so they're going to have a lot of intensity probably to start with. Uh, it's, but at the same time, this is the Premier League. Uh, they have not played against a team like Liverpool with their intensity, especially at home, so I don't know if they have the players to be able to cope with that. So I hope they don't. Uh, so I agree. I think I go with 3-0 as well uh, for the score. So looking yeah, at the yeah. rest of the fixtures... Do you see any surprises coming this weekend? Um, and, and just to go back, like Norwich also has like a lot of injuries to some of their players, or their players are just coming back from injury. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't see them really standing too much of a chance. Um, but yeah, the fixtures this weekend. What's the Arsenal at Newcastle? Uh, well, let's start with Saturday. Uh, West Ham, uh, City goes to West Ham, uh, which could be interesting, I think, out of all the, you know, obviously for Saturday games. And then Tottenham is at home with Villa, uh, which is a very similar case to what we're going to have, I guess, tomorrow. Uh, and then Sunday, yes, you have uh, Arsenal going to Newcastle, um, which I feel like, Arsenal is really good going forward. They're going to have problems against teams that are coming at them because I still don't trust that defense, even with the signings. I mean, David Luiz is not really, when you say like, oh, defensive wise, a good center back, he's not one of the first names that comes to mind. Uh, <laughs> his strength is, you know, more on the ball, passing, you know, uh, pushing up and stuff like that. I mean, his, you know, vision with the ball, uh, like his long passes and stuff like that. Uh, so defensively, really, that, 
that's not the name that you were probably looking for. So that's why I think Arsenal is going to struggle in that sense. But I think they have so much going forward. And so I think they will have an easier time against Newcastle. And I guess the big game of the weekend, obviously, is Manchester United against Chelsea, which is really a good fixture just because those are two big question mark teams right now. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to kind of see who starts uh, with a win and who starts in the hole. So who's your pick for that one? Dang. <laughs> yeah, see? Tough like, questions are here. <laughs> Satan, too. Like, how do you choose? Um, I don't, I don't know. I uh, obviously have a soft spot for Christian Pulisic. Oh, I know this was coming. Go ahead. <laughs> you, you opened, you opened the uh, the floodgate for that. Um, I, I honestly think he's gonna start, or at least, at least be on the bench. Um, because of his performance in the preseason. Um, I think that the confidence will be in him. I think that um, there was some good things uh, going on with them, unfortunately, in the preseason. So I, w- I would go with, with Chelsea. Probably really? I hate them a little, a little bit less than United and Pulisic. I'm going to have to say, yes, in terms of hatred, I, we're on the same page there. Uh, but I just don't think they're going to be able to replace Hazard at Chelsea. I really don't. And now they lost David Lewis, too, which, I, like I say, going back to what we were just talking about, I don't know if that's a plus or a minus when it comes to, like, defensive work. But he did give them some offense, too, especially in, like, you know, like, set pieces and stuff. Um, so, who's scoring goals for United? Who's scoring them? I think that's not they're going to be their problem. I think their problem is going to be defensively again. I mean, you still have Rashford. Uh, Martial is going to be there. Uh, you still have Pogba. So when he like he's on the ball, I mean, he's going to do his thing. It's just his overall efforts and half-ass playing that kind of like gets him in trouble. I think, and it's like a player that's kind of you know not fulfilling his potential. It's not the same guy that plays for France. Um, so I feel like they have more people who can cause trouble compared to Chelsea. And it's that old, I think this is one of those games where if it was at, you know, if it wasn't at Old Trafford, I might have picked Chelsea. Uh, just because at Old Trafford, I think United pulls this one off. Uh, but having said that, I'm sure United fans are just, you know, uh, half a half ass or a semi-poor performance away from like turning on the team because uh, Ole Magic was kind of like running out fast towards the end of last season. So I'm sure they're kind of uh, confused about what went on in the offseason too because those two players they signed is not going to rehash that entire defense because Maguire is no Van Dijk and Van Dijk has pieces around him like Trent and Robbo uh, whereas Maguire is not, not going to have those. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, he's no Van Dyke. It's in, it's in price tag only, really. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just would rather see Chelsea win if, if someone had to win that game. Can they both lose? That would be a nice touch. I guess they 
think a draw would be a loss for both teams, really, because it would kind of like leave the question marks right on top of them, and then uh, a loss of two points to boot. But um, yeah, that's kind of, that's probably like out of the weekend. I think. I mean, there are some other good games, like you know, Leicester City playing against uh, Wolves at home. I think that would be a fun game to watch to like quality teams. Um, so. Are you seeing out of like all the other fixtures any other like shocking scores that you can think of, or uh, pretty much gonna be nothing out of the ordinary? Crystal Palace Everton, for example. Um, you think Everton pulls that off, or Crystal Palace with that Zaha drama they had? Uh, how did they fare this year? Yeah, I don't. I'm not really sure because, like I said, we we talked about earlier. There was a there's a lot going on with Everton with their what they what they did over the summer who they brought in and it's a uh, it's at Crystal Palace though so I mean I really I don't know I feel like it's so hard to make predictions without having seen any of these teams play um, now with how things fall um, so I, I don't know I would not even begin to be able to predict anything about that game yeah i think that's one thing is you know a lot of these teams they made these signings but let's face it like if club signed somebody yesterday or i'm sorry today this morning we're not probably going to see them start for like another like three four months uh by the time they work in the system and stuff uh so like a lot of signings that happened like today and yesterday I mean, how long before? I mean, yeah, I realize these guys are all like quality Premier League players, but to play as a team, everybody kind of like has to know where to be and what the other one is going to do and, you know, like terminology, you know, things like that uh, in terms of like areas to cover and where to slide, where to make the run to, all, all those things that is done on the practice field. Um, how are they going to? get that done in a short period of time and i guess the ones that do it the fastest is going to be the ones that probably uh perform the best in the short term uh and that's why i thought your marco Silva was uh, prediction was kind of interesting because yeah if things don't gel fast and it actually messes up what they already had uh i can see that i, I can see your point of view where things can go south uh pretty fast but definitely a lot of be a lot better when we sit down on our next podcast to talk about actual football being played as opposed to just silly transfer rumors. Yeah, I mean, I think that with what Everton did over the window, I feel like they're trying to push at least a couple of spots forward and where they finished, what, eighth or ninth? Yeah. Um, I feel like they try to they're trying to get into European competition, you know, maybe even push um, you know, past United and and <laughs> Chelsea probably. Who knows? Um, and uh I feel like if if by like October, maybe November, I don't know, someone might have been sacked by then, who knows. Um if they're like twelfth, you know, or or you know, lower down the table, I feel like things would be really. Eh, I feel like he'd be gone. Yeah, I mean, very possible. I mean, when you look at, I mean, you know, when you look at the predictions that we just posted on the blog, um, 
I think apart from Gordon, everybody pretty much has the same four, like Liverpool, City, Tottenham, and Arsenal in the top four and like different, you know, like rankings or whatever. But uh, a lot of the predictions on the side are, are for the top six that the traditional or the top six teams that we always talk about might not end up being the top six this year. Because like I say, I expect Chelsea to drop off a lot, having losses out and not being able to replace him with anybody. Uh, I know your boy Pulisic is there, but he is no Hazard. Uh, and they kind of relied on them so much to almost like, I mean, I almost like compare that to, there is his name again, but when we had Coutinho, where sometimes they just like give him the ball and be like, do something, you know, make something happen. And everybody kind of like just watches and hopes he does something. And, you know, he did pull it off at times, but there were games where they lost points because, you know, he was like double teamed, triple teamed and things like that. And now they don't have that. I don't know, do they play better because they don't have somebody to rely on or they just didn't have that much quality going forward anyway. So it's going to be interesting to see, but I think that's one of the teams that could fall. And United obviously might not be able to, because uh, let's face it, if they didn't have that little Ole kickstart uh, mid-season, uh, they would not be their traditional number six position. Uh, they could be even lower because they gained a ton of points there. Suddenly they went on that run and they thought they were the best team and then it just kind of flopped down the road, obviously. But uh, any parting thoughts as we head into tomorrow and finally watching some actual football? That counts and matters. Um, I'm just excited. I'm I'm excited to have some structure back to my weekend to be able to to sit down and watch football. Um, and yeah, I, I think that this is the season is going to be magical, even more magical than last season. Um, and you know, my final words: goal differential, still <laughs> relevant, still relevant, still relevant. But I still don't see us getting there just the way we play I just that, that's why it was my my thought was you know we will have the most clean sheets because I think that's how we'll continue to play uh like more focused on the keeping the game under control when we have the lead as opposed to kind of keep going gung-ho and stuff like that but I'm excited about this season I mean I like I say I after last season uh coming up only a point short I mean we're almost there it's the same team back uh, club always talks about improving, like during practice and doing things better. Uh, let's just hope that happens. Let's hope we use the squad well. Uh, I know like Ox didn't look all that like he's still like kind of like in the semi recovery mode and stuff. But I, I think he's going to be huge. I was really impressed with what I saw out of Alana uh, in terms of being able to come in late in games and kind of like control and distribute and stuff like that, and you know be that hard working midfielder and stuff like that. So. Uh, and I like say we were talking earlier. I think Shaq is out of the doghouse. Looks like so. Hopefully he'll get some more minutes to kind of like give Mane and Salah a break because that's my biggest fear in the long run is with the number of games we have, are these guys gonna have enough rest? And of course we have Divac, which you know who if starts tomorrow, uh, I think he will score tomorrow. But I really kind of want to see Mane out there. I want us like to kind of go out there with full force, uh, get the three points, and then we can kind of like put up our feet and watch the other games over the weekend. So Hillary, thanks for joining me. Um, 
hope, I mean, we'll talk a lot more during the season. Uh, I know you're going to have your segment on the VAR. Let's hope you don't have too much work to do. And hopefully you'll be able to write a lot more about how we're winning all these games and uh, getting our title. It's 30 years now. So based on all these predictions, this has to be our year. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, send us a comments. If you have any topics you would like to get covered, follow us on our Facebook page as well. And let's have a great season and let's get this title that we're all hoping for. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care.